It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires. I'm the host of this podcast. Uh, we are in a new month, which means a new topic. But before we get into that, I want to introduce my guest today, Savannah. How's it going? You know, it's going good. Just uh, living life, living the dream. Happy Li- Living the dream. I love, yeah. I love that. I love that. Tell us about you. Tell us about Savannah. Well, my name, again, is Savannah Crab, like the sea creature, but it is not spelled that way, um, C-R-A-B-B-E, so I'm not uh, directly related to the gospel crab family, but I like to think somewhere I could be. Somewhere. Um, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been a worship leader for a really long time. I started when I was like 13, 14, um, first started getting into it, and it's just been a huge part of my life ever since started recording music in like 2020 and kind of feeling that out. And now I sell legs and lead worship uh, on the weekends and on Wednesdays. <laughs> oh, throw it in there. <laughs> you had to put it, you had to throw it in there. I love that. I love, I, I don't even want to answer the question what selling legs means. I think we just leave it at that. That's a, people are like, what is that? What does that mean? That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. Oh, it's so good. And uh, and you're in you're in Georgia, correct? Yes, Rome, Georgia. So Rome. about an hour north of Atlanta. Okay, awesome. So good, so good. So this month we're talking about identifying leaders and kind of helping train them and uh, getting a, and um, being a part of that process as a worship leader. I think it's important to always be being poured into as a worship leader and always pouring into somebody, kind of c- continuing on that continue on the legacy and the the mission of, of what it means to be a worship leader. Um, tell us your story as to why lifting the younger generation is a passion of yours. Yeah. So like I said, I was the younger generation when I first started leading worship and, you know, I was kind of a part of that group of worship leaders. I think that were striving for I don't want to say the fame of it, but it was kind of that time where like worship music was really the rock and it was like the Jesus cultures and the hill songs were getting really popular. And it was like, you know, I think the beginning of like viral worship. kind yeah. of stuff. And so for a long time, especially when I was younger, that was kind of the goal for me. And, um, you know, it took some growing up and meeting different kind of mentors to really change my perspective on that. Um, cause like I said, you know, when you're 13 and 14 starting in worship, like at first you're terrified and then you're like, this is cool. Like I'm singing in front of everybody. Um, but what really began to change for me and kind of open my eyes more to like the purpose of worship, not to say I never understood it, but like really honed in on it. And it became more real to me, I guess was, um, I was in my early 20s, um, had moved to Tennessee, Chattanooga, to be at a church there. And their worship pastor, who is one of my favorite worship pastors of all time, John Brockman, he's the GOAT. I already tagged him in my Instagram post and said I was going to talk about him today. <laughs> um, but he 
was a huge, huge role. And I think what changed like the trajectory of what ministry looked like for me, um, because I grew up church of God, you know, Pentecostal. So worship has always been a huge part of church life for me, but for so long, especially being in a youth band and things like that, you know, you go into worship with the mindset of we don't really have a plan. We're just going to flow and flow is awesome. I love flow, but it could be so unorganized. And I never really got that until I was in a place where it wasn't unorganized. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is so much easier. (laughs) And um, what really began to like make the difference for me was one of the first like conversations I had with Pastor John because how I met him was through a ministry school. So he was like my specific mentor at the school I went to. And I think one of our first conversations uh, had to do with using Planning Center online. And he was talking about executing in excellence. And for me, I, you know, come from a background of playing music by ear. When I took piano lessons, I cheated. I didn't really read the music. <laughs> I'd be like, Miss Hicks, can you play that for me one more time? And then I would just play what I heard her do. Um, so with Pastor John, he like really talked to me about the importance of like preparation. And it's great that you have a natural talent, but just think about how much easier it is for the spirit to move when you're prepared for him to move. Mm. Yeah, that was like, that still rings in the back of my head all the time. Anytime I'm practicing and I don't want to, I think about that conversation. Yes. Yes. So you, you had somebody pouring into you. You had someone speaking into you and being part of that and identifying you as a leader. And like, this is, I I see something in you and I want to, and I want to feed that. And I love I love that. I love the, I love that, um, that it's, you, you saw it and kind of identified it and realized that's actually going to spur me on to do something. And the crazy thing is, is I think everybody listening here, wherever you are in the spectrum as a worship leader, I mean, you may be starting out to been doing this for 50 years. Like there's always somebody that you can, you can, you could, you can help be better and kind of be a part of their, be a part of their growth process. Um, and cause uh, there's, there's not enough worship leaders in the world. And I, it's, I always, it's kind of a joke, but it's serious that the fact that it's like, we've been given the the ability to do the only thing we're going to be doing in heaven. Like exactly. as a worship leader. Yeah. We're not selling, le- we're not selling legs in heaven. Worship. Yes. Thinking about that. We're not selling legs in, in, for, in heaven. That's not, exactly. that's I'll right. Have You'll have to do it. We're, we are going to, we are going to be, uh, you know, leading worship and we're going to be worshiping forever. And it's like, God goes, you have that ability. We're giving you that ability here and it's yeah. it's not something that you should take lightly. And it's not something that you should just go do as kind of a thing. It's like it's really important to to um to 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 lead with excellence. And so um now give us some nuts and bolts. What what are you doing to help train younger leaders um in in you you you've had that experience and that's part of your story. And so how is that or what are you doing to kind of help see the next generation be better? Yeah, so it, it's actually funny how I ended back up as a youth leader, worship leader kind of thing. Um, Because when I initially had moved to Tennessee and was doing my whole thing, I was like, I don't like youth ministry. Yeah. (laughs) Teenagers are mean. I feel intimidated by them. (laughs) You know, I was like, I'm just going to stick to Sunday stuff. Um, But, you know, 
not go too much into my testimony kind of thing, but what got me back home was like a really hard season. And I actually took a break from worship leading for almost a year. And when I felt like the Lord was kind of urging me to go back, it was to the youth group because they needed a leader to fill in for their Christmas service. They didn't have anyone. And so at first I said, no, I think I said no three times. And then I was like, if you can't find anybody, I'll just do it. And so it's the youth group I actually grew up in. Um, and I decided to go back and it was that first night with one of our students. I'll give her a little shout out as Kendall. She's my girl. Um, but that night she sang with me because the other leaders told me that she usually sang. And so, um, I remember hearing her sing and she went into like a spontaneous moment. And I think it was one of the first times that she had done something like that. And I was listening to her and it was like, I was instantly back to being Savannah when she was 16 and experiencing that kind of moment with the Lord for the first time. And it was like, I had this moment where I felt like I had to, I was like, I have to step in and be what I needed when I was her age. And especially having gone through some really difficult things right before then, I was like, I'm gonna use all of these things that I've learned to make sure that Kendall has a much easier time navigating ministry and being a worship leader than I did. And ever since then, she's really become like my right hand woman. Um, you know, we get together earlier on Wednesdays than the rest of the students. I'm teaching her how to read chords. I'm teaching her how to, you know, utilize good singing practices when you're leading worship not just relying on i call it yell singing i do that a lot in yeah songs, but i understand i understand yeah, yeah like you know teaching her the diaphragm the shoulders the posture um because i think it's awesome to talk about the spiritual side of it but being able to enjoy and engage in the spiritual aspect of worship is so much easier when you're using like tangible tools it makes you more prepared, more engaged, more focused. You feel better. If you're not confident in what you're doing, then it makes it harder for the spirit to move. And so that's my biggest teaching point, not just with her, but with our other singers in the youth band too. Like you have to go into this confidently. And if you feel unsure about a song or if you're going to sing this bridge and you don't feel confident, you tell me and we're going to work it out because if you, you know, go into something that you're not sure about, how are you going to lead other people into that moment? You know? Yeah. So I try to keep it practical, spiritual, and doable. So good. It's so good. And I think that's, um, we don't oftentimes think that it just takes time. Like it yeah. just takes time. Like you said, you get there a little early and, you know, working on things where you may think they're basic. Like you may go like, I mean, everybody knows how to sing. No, they don't. Everybody yeah. knows how to read music. No, they don't. Especially and, church singers and church musicians. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that could, that could preach. That's the, it and that's, it. that's right. And, but like, and I, and I, the, the, um, uh, yeah. And I, it's, it's funny cause, um, everybody who like farther along in the process as worship leaders sometimes forgets someone was that to you. Like, mm -hmm. and you know, you didn't, and maybe you did, maybe you're naturally gifted and you learned and it, it, you just kind of, it existed, but I probably not probably there's somebody, when you think back to your story to go that actually invested time into you yeah. and, uh, kind of sat alongside you, maybe in the peripheral, maybe not right beside you, but there was somebody 
mm-hmm. guiding you along in the process. And um, and then you get to the point where you go, I don't have time. I don't have time to help other people. And it's like, no, no, you do. You really you do. Gotta find it. You got to find <laughs> it. You got to find it. You know, when I was living the high life, I was at like a, I would say a small mega church kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I can be real about that. I kind of got away from the purpose of things. And, you know, I didn't have that desire to pour in because, you know, I was sitting in rooms with people I never thought I'd sit in rooms with. And I, you know, that whole thing, but getting back to like, honestly, my lowest point and building literally back up from where God called me to be a worship leader. I mean, it was in that youth group in that same building. And he used that moment to be like, you're going to be this for this girl and you're going to be this for this boy. Like it, I wouldn't trade any of those experiences for the world. And I'm glad that I went through that. Like I, I would even say kind of like cocky worship leader phase Yep. because I got humbled real good and it's helped me help them not become who I was for a couple of years. You know? Yeah. It's, it's a thing. That's a total thing. And it, especially now it's so easy to become that person. And yeah. I just try my hardest to like, lead them the way they should go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> lead them, lead them the way they should be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so when I was, when I was in high school, I had, I had somebody that was pouring into me and um, he, he and I would co-lead a lot in our youth, youth groups. And uh, I went to a Christian high school and we would lead, I would lead, you know, chapels and stuff like that. And the, um, uh, one day he called me and he was like, Hey, I'm when, right before chapel. Hey, I'm sick today you got to take chapel. It's all you. And I was like, I don't do that. I always co-lead with somebody. And he's like, no, I think you can, I, you're fine. You know, you're totally fine. So I step into the leadership role for the first time ever. I'm on the stage by myself leading worship. And, uh, the guy walks in the back of the room. He was not sick. He was not actually sick. He Mm -hmm. was, he, he used an opportunity to kind of like push me into the, into the space, kind of like shake off the dust, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and as as I kind of would go into this next question, I wanted to lead with that story because it's a great it's a great feeling to see someone running towards their calling, yes. um, and like you know just kind of like seeing it, you know. And it's but it's at what point do you know it's time to let them fly on their own? At what point is it like it's time for me to remove myself from mm-hmm. the or step back a little farther and give them a little bit more space and maybe not uh, not as much direct coaching. But like, hey, I because I mean, and unfortunately, we learn when we fail, and it's you know not you not always being caught is your right. kind of you know you have to kind of figure out like there's those moments and you know where you might not know where to go next or know what to say next and um so how do you give us some ideas on that? How do you know when it's time to kind of let them fly on their own? Well, real quick story like yours. Um, the first time I was ever put on the spot was during an altar call. And they said, Savannah, come play for me. And I played one chord and then I froze. And my youth pastor was like, that's one chord. (laughs) (laughs) I am forever mortified by that. Anyway, I just want to throw that. Um, but we have just gotten to where I'm starting to like ease back on them a little bit. I have two leaders that really like stand out you know, like this could potentially be what they do with their life kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And at first I will put them on the spot. Usually we'll have a song that we've done like several times and I'll say, why don't you lead this verse? And so they'll lead one verse. And then I do a lot of verbal cues when I lead because I, you know, lead from the piano. And so I'll say like, 
Kendall is going to sing this verse again. And so she'll know, okay, this is how this works. You know, if you're going to go back into something, you can use a verbal cue. So now she knows if she feels like we got to go back to the verse, she can say, let's sing this verse again. Ah, that's good. You know, moments like that. um, That's in a live, that's a live scenario. Yeah, great. I love it. So we do that. um, And then I usually move on from just a verse or just a bridge. And I'll talk to them usually a day before and be like, how would you feel about leading this? Because I never want to make them feel like they have to do something. Right. But I am going to strongly suggest, you know. um, You can't tell a teenager to do anything. That's a good, that's right. You have to kind of, yeah. So, you know, suggest it to them. And then I, I usually try to take a little time with just that singer, you know, during sound check and make sure they feel comfortable and everything. And like, you know, when it's their first song, maybe I'm always saying, you know, I'm right behind you. So if something happens and you start to get nervous, you feel like you can't do this or that, you know, I, I'll catch you. I'm like a net. Yep. I can pick up the verse and we'll be fine. Yep. And nobody will notice because most people don't know things about music and they'll be fine. You know? Yep, exactly. Um, but my favorite part of the teaching them in like live aspects is, you know, I do teach them about following the river. I think there's a Bob Sorby book called Following the River. Um, but it just talks about how like, you know, with a river, there are river guides. They don't necessarily know how the water is going to be every day, but they know the river well enough to guide you through it. And so I tell my kids like worship moving with the Holy spirit is like this river. Okay. We don't know what it's going to look like every time we have service, but if we know the music well enough, and if we are, you know, in our word enough, if we're praying enough, if our spirit's in the right place, we can still guide people, even though we don't know what the river's going to look like. And so we'll have moments like during sound check where I say, we're going to flow for five minutes. And I'll be like, Evian, sing what you feel. And so it kind of puts them on the spot, but it really teaches them how to navigate those moments. Yeah. It feels scary. You could feel like everybody's waiting on something, but the more comfortable they get, I think with practicing moments like that, the more comfortable and easier it'll be for them in a live setting. Like, you know, I mentioned Kindle earlier. I literally had a practice with her where I was like, okay, here's a Bible verse this is what um, you're feeling in this worship service is this Bible verse. Sing something from it. (laughs) And I was like, it's going to be in this key. Here's all the notes that exist in this key. I'm going to play. And when you're ready, you're just going to sing what you feel that you need to sing. And I remember specifically after that, you know, practice we had, it was the following Wednesday and she just blew me out of the water the way that she just took control at the moment she led so well and it was just it was one of those moments where you sit back and you're like you know I love to sing I love to lead worship but the feeling and like pride that I had for her in that moment yep and not even just for myself but like for Kendall how that must have felt to really be like a conduit for the Holy Spirit to move for the first time for her like that is just really special so Gosh, I love, I love that my brain, I, I'm not even in there and I'm getting emotional. I love that. Cause it's such a good, it's like, I was, I was that kid. I've seen those people. I've seen those worship leaders and it's like, you don't, people get, they get, they get nervous going. I, I don't know. 
I, I don't have anything to give this person or I don't, I'm, I'm still learning in the process. So how can I, how can I impart wisdom or teach if I'm still learning? And, you know, nobody in ever, in any scenario, if if you ever reach a, if you ever meet a worship leader who says I've arrived run, cause like they don't, if we I don't, we don't, that's right. You're like, we've all met, you know, no, <laughs> you're like, and so like, you don't, you don't arrive. And so being willing to do that. And I love the practical, tangible, like you rehearse those yeah. moments and go, there is nothing, nothing you can say in this moment is bad. So let's try it. Like, let's try it. Cause um, there's the, 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 everybody, we, we, we've all been in the moments where we lock up on stage and it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what to say right now. Like I'm, you know, I kind of pence up or I, I tense up and it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't work. And um, so physically practicing that in a moment in their life, especially yeah. where it's like, they are, they are ready. Like they're soaking up everything and learning how to, you know, navigate those moments. Um, and in the youth specifically, you're leading your peers. And so exactly. that's an even harder scenario. Mm-hmm. And so if you can, uh, do that, you can do anything, I mean, they're not even my peers anymore and teenagers still intimidate me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> I have, I have sang live on the radio in front of giant crowds. I have done the, the group of people that terrifies me is when my daughter's preschool asked oh. me to come lead as some songs. And there's like a bunch of four and five, four-year-olds in the room. And I don't know why I've literally sang on the radio. I've sang for big, big events, like thousands of people by myself and the guitar. You have 15, four-year-olds in the room. I was terrified. <laughs> I was like, they, they speak their mind. They don't, they, if there's something wrong, they're going to tell you they have no mm-hmm. filter. Like, what if I screw this up? And I'm like, why am I terrified in a room full of four-year-olds? This is a weird, I'm panicking over here. Oh, and I'm, I it's get a, it. But but I mean, has their... They won't tell you. They just look at you. It's... You know? The most you... judgmental looks in the world. <laughs> you know what they're <laughs> thinking. Guys, you want to clap? And they just look at you. That's right. <laughs> it's like, do something. Say something. Like, get us on. out of this moment. That's right. <laughs> I tell them all the time, I'm like, if you can leave for these kids, y'all going to be all right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, the, uh, so it, now it's hard, it's hard to walk up to someone and go, I can help you be better. Cause like, that's a weird, like introductory statement. Now, if I'm in a scenario, you're in a scenario where there's like, there's people that are directly looking at you for help. Like that's, you know, you're overseeing a group of people, but talk to the worship leader. Who's maybe not necessarily in that direct scenario. And mm-hmm. maybe there's somebody they can identify in their team or on the crowd that's that, or in whatever scenario they're in that um that is like that you they they see something in them how do i start the conversation to say i would love to work with you if you're interested or how does that how does that play out um kind of help us into that because that's that is a weird thing to go i can i can help you be better like that's a um (laughs) it's kind of like comes from a place where like who are you to say that you know but like but like so give us some thoughts there yeah, so I definitely lead the way with humor most of the time and self-deprecation. And so <laughs> if I'm going to like approach someone or like one of my students, you know, and talk to them about ways they can, I don't even want to say the word improve, but I will because it makes no sense. You know, just in general, vocally, the way they can be more confident, things like that. I will always lead with, let me tell you this story about me. Because I always want them to feel like they can relate to me. Um, because especially, you know, being in 
the church culture I was in, in Tennessee, um, it felt like a lot of the people I was around were untouchable. So it was like, if I, you know, made a mistake, it felt like the first time that mistake was ever made, you know, in a worship setting. And so you don't really feel like you can make any mistakes. You feel like everybody here has always saying everything totally correctly and like that kind of thing. And so I have plenty of stories (laughs) to share about, you know, things that I've done. I have one where I was doing, uh, what's it called? I was doing tracks for our service and I played the third song instead of the second song and then had to recover that, you know, stuff like that. That's right. It'll be a moment where like maybe their voice cracked singing the bridge. And I'll say, let me tell you about this time where everybody told me I sounded like Mickey Mouse because I said, he loves you just because just like that. (laughs) And so (laughs) I always start there. Yeah. That's where I pull in like some of the practical things I mentioned earlier. Cause like, you know, I've been a worship leader for forever, but I also, you know, took classical voice. I can do all that stuff. I know the music theory side of a lot of things. Yeah. And so if I think if you lead with something that kind of puts you guys at the same level, you know, share that you have, you know, just as many moments as they may have have um, or may have had. Yeah. And then from that moment, you just take it into try this. I never like directly tell them do this, Yeah. but you know, I give them the, why don't you try like raising your eyebrows when you're trying to sing something higher? Yeah. Or now just remember you like put those shoulders back. You know, I try to keep it as conversational as I can. I don't ever want to sound like I'm their, you know, teacher, director kind of person. Yeah. 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 Instead just someone that is just trying to help, you know, I remind them all the time that I'm not, you know, anything that yeah. they need to be intimidated by that, you know, I've literally seen everything and nothing surprises me. And I, you know, I love them and I will support them. Wow. Such a good, such a good space. Oh my gosh. Lead with humility, lead with the story, lead with the, and, and no matter who you are and where you've been in ministry, we have that, you have that story. You have that one that you can refer back to that moment when you, Talked like Mickey Mouse. Like it's um that still haunts me. There's videos <laughs> that float around of that service in particular. My voice got it is because the yell singing. When and, I yell sing, my register is just really hot. And yep. when I try to talk, it just sounds like Mickey Mouse. So. It just kind I mean it happens. It happens. It's fine. I own it now, you know, but <laughs> at the time it was just it was really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, one time I led worship and I, I I didn't realize I had the onset of a fever coming on, and uh, really? while I was while I was playing, um, the room started spinning, like the <laughs> it was I was playing and I was like oh no no, <laughs> and then the lights and the heat was not helping you know yeah. and I I had to end the set I had to end the set early and I walked backstage and the band was like what are you doing I was like I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die and they were like oh uh it's like somebody. <laughs> Somebody call somebody because I'm, right. you know, and I went home as a hundred, I had a hundred five degree fever. I was on stage and I shouldn't have been, and I was delirious. Hundred five. That, that is yeah. another podcast episode. I tell you what, I can't tell you how many times I have been so sick and yeah. still got up on the stage to lead and then like go throw up afterwards. That's right. You talk about saying no. It's, why am I doing this? Exactly. <laughs> I think even God is like. Sit down. Sit down. You don't even. 
Chad's up in heaven going, stop. (laughs) This is why you have a team. It's exactly right. Exactly right. (laughs) Oh, this is awesome, Savannah. So, hey, so this podcast, we call it The Table. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited about this conversation because you're from Georgia. And there's there's good food in Georgia. And so... So I, I believe good conversation happens over good food. And that's why we call this the table. It's a, it's a relationship, a conversation. So if I was coming over to your house for dinner, what is something that might be on the table? Well, the answer might surprise you. Okay. I'm a Georgia girl. If I was going to give you Georgia, I'd make you like some biscuits and gravy. Yeah. But my favorite food of all time. Uh-oh. Kakaobi. So fun fact, um, I know like some Korean yeah Um, I've actually been on a mission trip to South Korea to do English classes with North Korean refugees that's like a big piece of who I am and what I care about things like that so when I started learning more about like Korean culture and things like that I really embraced all of it and so takalbi is just like really really spicy chicken rice all the different things and I am not a great cook but I can cook Korean food so good. And so I would make you takaobi. It's a cow- oh, I'm in. Yeah. It's so good. Find your local Korean restaurant, but only go to it if it's owned by like elderly people and you'll get the real thing. Okay. <laughs> That's how you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's this great Mexican food restaurant lo- lo- locally that's owned by an Australian woman. And uh, it was confused. It's confusing, but I know it's confusing. But uh, but yeah, I totally I love that. Go to a restaurant owned by an elderly mm-hmm. couple, because that's mm-hmm. where it's going to be genuine. Right. That's if where you're like a 10-year-old that puts you at your table, yes. you know that it's going to be really, really good. This is great food. <laughs> this is great. Oh my gosh, that sounds yeah. amazing. Oh, it's that's amazing. so Georgian Georgian food is the biscuits and gravy. Like oh, that's yeah. that's a, that's yeah. everything fried. Everything oh. fried. That's now is that do you like that side of life or is that I do, I do. I just can't cook it well. Yeah, um, I understand. Yeah, I I live in my grandma's shadow. Um, she won't tell anybody how to make biscuits like she does. Mm. I don't think she's even ever written down how she makes them. You can't she write it down. Has to tell people, and that doesn't work. And so none of us can make them. So <laughs> like I'm grandma, that the Lord will just like impart that to me. Maybe <laughs> like when she goes on to glory, like you know that will fall for me. <laughs> <laughs> you, she's holding back one ingredient that she won't tell anyone she puts in it and then she'll it. tell you she'll tell you eventually like last word <laughs> that's right that's amazing <laughs> hey tell us how we can connect with you and everything you're doing and the music that you're right you're doing and tell us how we can connect with savannah yeah so i am on spotify apple and amazon um like i said under savannah crab although soon i'll be savannah schermacher um, oh that's exciting i engaged Anyway, I'm going to keep my name the same on that stuff. So don't want to confuse anyone. Um, I'm on Instagram as Viva La Vanna. I got that username in the 10th grade and I've never changed it. So (laughs) that's where I'm at. That's amazing. I just released a song a couple months ago called Miracles. um, And it's talking about my journey having chronic illness and the Lord teaching me things through that. Oh, So. so good. So good. Now, are you, do you have anything else coming out soon? You're working on more projects? I have very small beginnings for some projects. Yep. But I will say the inspiration for it is the Jesus movement of the 60s. Yeah. And so it'll be kind of like a throwback to some of those, like the Maranatha, 
you know, um, music like that. So, so I'm excited. If anybody wants to collab, yeah, old music with me. I love it. Me at SavannahCrab at gmail.com. Okay. I love I love it. I love all of it. I love all yeah. of it. I'm all in. That's amazing. Hey, thanks for hanging out today. I appreciate you taking time, uh, you know, and because and you have things, you have things to do, like make music and sell legs. And so yeah. I, um, <laughs> it's all part of life. It's all part of life. And someone's like, what does that even mean? Just don't, don't ask questions. It just, it is, it is. They won't find any evidence of it on my social media either. Like they're just going to be left to wonder. So I like that. I like a little mystery. A little mystery. A little mystery is Savannah Crab. I love it. I love it. Hey, thanks again. And uh, everybody, we'll see you guys next week.